Well, just when we thought Ed Stoltz couldn't possibly get lower in some of his filings with bankruptcy courts and what he says to the FCC, he actually, in his latest bankruptcy filing, actually creates a new level of scum, Keith. It's amazing. Our second story today, we're going to talk about uh, core TV business as it continues to erode. It's down a stunning 50% over the past 10 years. We'll talk about some of the implications on that because that's what we do. We're the media consultants and we do <laughs> this right. each Tuesday and Friday where we get together and we talk about our ideas and opinions and comments on what's going on in the media business. Back in Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver, still stuck in beautiful Hollywood Hills, <laughs> is my is my co-host Keith Samuels. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Jackson. It's a beautiful day in LA, man. Yeah, Keith, it's always a beautiful day in LA. It's always a beautiful day in LA. <laughs> we do this each Tuesday and Friday, so glad you could join us again. So today I'd like to welcome you to the Tuesday episode, May 10th of Media Insultant. You know, Keith, I don't cross-promote, or we don't cross-promote other podcasts very often, but I am going to I'm gonna make an exception today, because I stumbled upon a podcast the other day by a guy by the name of Todd uh, Maffin. Todd Maffin. He does a podcast called Today in Digital Marketing, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's about a 10-minute bit on what's going on in digital marketing. And you know as well as I do, this is so complex and there's so much going on and so much change. And and particularly if you're selling traditional media and your clients are asking you about digital media, this is a great way to stay informed on what's going on with it. It's called Today in Digital Marketing. And for anybody else like us who's a bit overwhelmed by what's going on in the digital sphere, we highly recommend it. And one of the things he talked about the other day was something that I just was intrigued by. As you and I have talked about, I think these QR codes that have become much more common since the pandemic, where everybody used them in restaurants to get menus, right. they're, yep. they're so much more uh, usable for most consumers. And, you know, everybody, everybody has them these days. You can use them easily on your phone. But there was a company in Scandinavia called Samso Samso. Okay, <laughs> what can I say? Samso Samso makes a line of clothing, and here's what they're doing. They are embedding within the uh, clothing a QR code resale tag. And this is really very, very cool because when you're done wearing it and you want to recycle it in a responsible fashion, you scan the code on the sweater and it gives you all the information on the sweater or the item that you've got, where it was made, the color, the size, all of those kind of things. But the killer application is that it creates a Facebook marketplace listing for you with photographs, descriptions, everything you need, images, copy. All you've got to do is set your price. And I think it's a really a very cool idea. One of those ideas that could be standard on just about anything. You could do that for your, for your car. You could do that for your furniture. Do that for anything you decide you're going to resell. And I think there's, it's a real cool example of the QR codes. Thoughts? Well, you know, yeah, I think, but don't VIN numbers on our cars serve the same purpose? I mean, you know, it tells you when, it, you know, when it was built and you know where it was built and yeah, good luck reading them. You know, you yeah, but good you luck. You got to get a code it. book yeah. out to read them. <laughs> yeah, and and the way the Samso Samso deal works is it just it just recalls that item's catalog photographs and artwork. 
So, you know, all this stuff is online. All these items are online. They have pictures of all these products. It makes it, it, makes it real easy recycling, if you will, not only of the clothes, but of all the, 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 the work that they did to uh, photograph and sell this, this, this clothing online or in a catalog in whatever fashion. But what's interesting about what's going on in the fashion world is, because I think this is massive virtue signaling. I don't, I don't, think, this is, I don't think they're going to sell millions of items on Facebook Marketplace. And by the way, who buys anything on Facebook Marketplace? Seriously? I go to Amazon. I'm not going to, not going to Zuckerberg's Marketplace ever. But in any case, it's massive virtue signaling in the fashion business right now because the uh, the whole industry has gone super woke because every season is new fashion, right? So your stuff you wore last year, you can't wear anymore. So people have wasted so many so much resources and so much money and so much material and all this stuff on fashion you're not going to wear ever again. So it's all about recycling and, and, and sustainability in the fashion and clothing business these days. And so this is a really good way of doing it, I suppose, because they're showing that you can resell these clothing items. And I, I checked briefly this morning before we, we came on the air. You know, this stuff isn't any different than what you find at, at, uh, at H&M or at Uniqlo. Or, I mean, this isn't Armani. This is not, you know, Ralph Lauren, designer couture, high couture stuff. This is just, you know, kind of like everyday stuff. I'm not going to buy your T-shirt on, on Facebook Marketplace, Jackson. That's all I'm saying. But they get massive points for being uh, really hip to the cause, which is, and, and mean, you know, which is recycling your clothes or wearing them for longer periods of time, multiple seasons. Even Will and Kate are making a big deal, my wife informs me, about wearing their clothes again and again, okay? You know, as the royals, they want to send a message that if Wills really likes that favorite blazer, he's going to keep wearing it for multiple years, and you're going to see Kate in the same dress once in a while. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's all for a good cause. All right, good point. I will, I will disagree with you on one thing. I personally <laughs> have found Facebook <laughs> Marketplace to be pretty effective in terms of selling things when we sold some furniture off this uh, last oh. fall. It was, it was a pretty good platform. But the scammers now have gotten onto Marketplace just like they got onto Craigslist, and they're going to they're gonna screw it up, something terrible. But what I love about your comment is we disagree. So, And, and that <laughs> okay. makes me feel like I'm right well, for a change. I, you know, I, I, but, but I think furniture, you know, we, we've been reselling furniture all our, right, our lives. We used to put in, you know, want ads, classified ads, you know, or Craigslist, like you say. You know, garage sales, you know, you, you're always kind of selling your stuff, but... Come on, take it to the goodwill, you know. All right, all right, all right. Well, moving on to our number one lead story of the day, uh, which is jaw-dropping, mind-numbing, holy shitting, is call it what you want, call it what you want, Keith. Ed Stoltz has filed a Chapter 11 bankruptcy reorganization plan that just is amazing. It it would be really funny if it weren't for all the people that uh, were involved in it. So <laughs> and all the people that are get, not getting paid. <laughs> well, let's keep in mind it's his reorganization plan. So let's let's see. Let's dig into this a little. This is really really kind of interesting. What's he what is he proposing to do? What's the number one thing he proposes to do? Well, he, he wants to sell his FM station in San Francisco. Uh, he thinks it's worth you know millions and millions of dollars, and he you know that's that's number one. What's he, but but wait a minute, didn't Larry Patrick? sell all his stations for like six million bucks that's right that's right couldn't have ed just taken the money and mm. i mean and and moved on you know paid all his debts and moved on with still a you know a several million bucks in the bank 
But no, he didn't want Larry to do it. He wants to do it himself. Well, not not really. He's also hired another broker to sell the station, right? He hired Bob Malman. So he fires so the, the court fires Larry Patrick, takes the stations back, undoes the sale to VC VCY. VCY. Now it's now it, so he he's back in it, you know, with his reorganization plan in bankruptcy court, and he's hired yet another broker. I mean, what is Malman thinking? That, he, that, he, that, that getting in bed with Ed Stoltz and selling this piece of shit FM station in San Francisco where he owes $350,000 or something on tower rental, you know, for the condo tower he's got his, you know, his, his transmitter on top of, his, his antenna on top of? I mean, I don't, you know, why, why would anybody want to do any business with this guy? I don't understand. Well, you're right. His his station is really licensed to Alameda. It's not really a San Francisco signal, although it does cover the core city. It's it's just a class A, so it's not it it's got a population coverage of maybe three to four million people, something like that. And let's just be frank about it: FM stations, even in major markets, are barely getting a buck a pop. So if he's got three to four million, and let's say he got a buck fifty a pop, that's only six million at the max. Which is exactly what Patrick sold the stations all three for. So, and, and what did what, and what did the FM station in uh, in San Jose go for? Oh, uh, KRTY that went for three, yeah. uh, three and a half, I think, something like that. Yeah, KRTY went for three and a half. Yeah, and that's a going radio station that, with a staff. They have like they have like on air personalities. They have they have like salespeople. Right. They have a program director. They have management. And and they they pay their rent, you know. They probably pay their rent, and they probably uh, pay their music license fees, you know, and all that, you know. Yeah, and three million bucks, three and a half million bucks. There's no way this guy gets. If Malman can get a million bucks for this, you know, that, good for him. But it's not going to happen. It's it's no one's ever going to buy this. It's a, and and Ed's and Ed's never gonna. Ta- he, he, no, he will take the money, I suppose. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. He's he also has an absurd secondary offer and says well look if it doesn't sell because larry patrick couldn't sell them for a price i wanted if it doesn't sell we could lma it and we could get the lease for between two and three hundred thousand dollars a month really what do you think of that right 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 yeah well first of all you got to find something that there are people who will lma anything i mean lma what we mean is that they'll come in and rent the station they'll pay at a monthly fee to, to be the to have the station and to program what they want and we know there are people that want to put on their own programming that will pay it but that much money no no not even close well and he's um yeah, it's a it's a it's an absurd figure because as, as you point out there's no billing there's no staff there's no studio and my question is going to be one of his creditors is the Bel Air Home Owners Association where he's had his tower mm-hmm. So he finally pays them off in the bankruptcy. You think they're going to turn around and go, oh, we'd love to, to renew your lease, Ed, because we know this time we'll get paid. I think he's, uh, I think he's barking up a, 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 a bad tree, to say the very least. And I will tell you, I, I think he's lying to the court. He says his other stations, Palm Springs and Las Vegas, are on the air. And I just came from Palm Springs. His station there was never on the air in the four weeks that we were down there. So... It's difficult to believe the court's going to buy this, Keith. He knows how to work the courts better than anybody. Okay, he's a serial uh, litigant. I mean, he's this. This is his. This is what he does. Okay, if he spent as much time running his radio stations and maybe selling a few ads as he does 
manipulating the court system in his favor. You know, he might be a successful broadcaster, but he doesn't. He's not paying two and a half million dollars in attorney's fees because he's broke to, you know, his his, uh, former attorneys who got him this far. He's screwing Larry Patrick out of his fees that he that he still owed for running his stations and keeping them on the frickin' air for a while uh, while he was gone, while he was not operating them. But basically, you know, it's it's amazing. And and the FCC won't touch him. The FCC the FCC has the power to say, Ed, you're you're not worthy of these licenses. We're taking them away. But it won't get that far because the FCC doesn't want to deal with it until all the court messiness is done, right? All the now bankruptcy, but all the other stuff had to get done before they would get involved. Um, so, you know, they're not doing anything, and Ed knows it. So this guy knows how to get away with not paying your bills, not running properly your radio stations, and, and screwing everybody that, that comes near it. So, But it's great fodder for us. But it's just amazing that someone like this get, continues to be allowed to function in this business. He, well, and, and his crazy. final audacious move is he claims uh, $350,000 that he'll take from the proceeds of the bankruptcy because of the, his personal expenses operating the stations. He wasn't operating the stations. Larry Patrick was. So, uh, you know, the, the guy just, it's just truly an amazing story. I'll tell you one thing that I really think is true. And that is, I would like to extend our sympathy, both of yours and mine, to anyone who has ever worked for Ed. And for anyone who's thinking about working with him going forward, you've been warned, you know? Yep. <laughs> it's, it's real clear, you know? Past behavior is indicative of future behavior. So, all right. Yep. So, next thing we want to talk about in Media Insultant today is, uh, you know, the network uh, television scene is really interesting because... The network, the television groups, Tegna and Gray and and Nexstar and all of these guys are reporting revenue. Sinclair, Sinclair, yeah, thank yeah. you. And all these guys are reporting revenues up first quarter, maybe four to six percent, depending upon who you're talking about. But the question I've got is, on a national basis, all of the core revenue is down. How is that happening? They say they're up, but core marketing advertising is down. What's the distinction between those two? Uh, good question. Is it a distinction without a difference? I, I, you know, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I, it, it's got to be the Olympics. The Olympics were Q1. Yes, yes. And, and for NBC particularly, they had the Olympics and the Super Bowl. Without the Olympics, they would have been down. And, and I think a lot of that drives the other network sales as well because the Olympics consume so much airtime that if you're just making a spot buy, you're either buying the Olympics from NBC or you're, you got it at premium prices, and then your spot business is going everywhere else. So, uh, and that's, you know, it's all sold in the upfronts and, you know, whatever. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that TV's finding it harder and harder to make up for lost traditional rate uh, revenue. So, hence the network's, you know, running into the s- subscription business, you know, be- between, uh, you know, Peacock and Paramount Plus and, you know, all this other stuff, you know, it's like th- th- that's that's going to help save them, they think. In the meantime, you know, they're, they're, they're just not growing and or they're not even coming back to where they were in 2019. So, and, and the automotive sector, there's so much television money coming out of automotive, both, you know, at every level, tier one, two, and three, that, you know, without automotive really pumping it, you can tell where how vulnerable television is. Yeah, I think second quarter will be will be interesting to see how that goes. We've got 
Uh, I don't think we've got any substantial political. One of the things that does affect the way these get, numbers get written is exactly what you said. You know, these groups are large enough. They all have a contingent of NBC affiliates. And those NBC affiliates carry both the Super Bowl and the Olympics this year. So they both get, they all get a bump in those markets, but it doesn't break it down into the markets that were not NBC affiliated to what their right. local revenue is like. But the thing that uh, I find fascinating in this, and, and it's it's sad, but... Television, CBS, I was uh, reading here the other day, CBS now is ranked still number one as a television network in total audience. And they have done that now for 14 years, which they brag about. So the interesting thing is, is that they do it, Keith, with an audience that is half the size it was 10 years ago. Half. But they're still number but one. they're still number one. <laughs> you know, we talk, about still number one. we talk about radio slipping, but uh, and it has slipped. But this is this is amazing, and and I don't want to be uh, rude about it. But the president of CBS, uh, Kelly Call, had a statement that I, I've got to read a little bit of it because it not Wendy. Uh, no, this is she's CBS president of something else. You know what that's like. Oh, okay. got president all, right. all over the place. She says the strength and the depth of our core CBS series, mm-hmm. the top new comedies and dramas on television. Go ahead, name one. Our iconic alternative programming, world-class sports franchises, plus the finest news programming in the history of television, provide us with a power to surge to the top of the broadcast landscape for the 14th consecutive week, or season, excuse me. And she says it's a real testament to their people. And I think it's great. You know, you should always acknowledge your people when they've worked that hard. What it feels like, though, is a little like she's walking around the deck of the Titanic, and she's saying to the band, nice job. Hey, can I put in a couple of requests? You know, she's, it's just, in a way, it's it's almost tone deaf. You know, the business is evaporating very rapidly, and I guess she's got to keep up the best front she can. But at, at the end of the day, Keith, it's tough even for the number one network to keep a stiff upper lip. Yeah, well, that's very true. But you know what? The, the, the These traditional over-the-air mediums, like television and like radio, not audio, but radio through your radio station and through your car radio and your home radio or your whatever, you know, there's still the there's still the, the revenue cash cows. These still bring in the most money. You know, we saw it in the in reports last week, you know, on iHeart, you know, about how much the the markets division run by Greg Ashlock brings in compared to everything else. Everything else is growing through the roof because they're going from nothing to something. Right. But it's the markets groups. It's the it's the it's the traditional radio guys. It's the traditional television stations that still bring in all the money, and it's just not coming in as fast, and it's not as sexy. And so, you know, we'll we'll talk more about you know some of that on Friday about what uh, what television groups are trying to do to to you know generate some excitement and revenue. But the fact of the matter is, it's those you know local salespeople in New York and L.A. knocking on doors, uh, right? Knocking on doors and getting the business and bringing in the dollars and getting those ad buys that are still that are still supporting everybody yeah. Yeah. and still get and everybody's and everybody's getting their ass kicked by you know Facebook and Google although those guys are now slowing down and we're starting to see some of that uh, reflected not only in the stock market but also in in some of the stories that are coming out by going uh, uh, you're not growing so fast anymore guys. And so uh, it's it, there's there's a little bit of a uh, there's a lot of competition for ad dollars. We'll talk about that on Friday's show as well. 
the pie is getting the pie is growing, but everybody's slices are getting smaller. Well, and that's the thing. We'll talk about this on Friday. It's uh, it, it's a fascinating statistic. It's something that's grown sixty five hundred percent in the last decade. So we'll talk about that on Friday. But yeah. it's not your waistline. It's not not my <laughs> liquor bill. <laughs> We will talk about the challenge that uh, this growth is uh, for everybody in the media business. We'll do it on Friday. And just want to remind everybody that Media Insultant is available on your favorite podcast platform. The video is available at Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. And we do this each Tuesday and Friday. We're a production of InTown Media. Keith, I think it's uh, time to roll. Let's uh, get out of here and go have a good week. And I'll see you on Friday. Friday the 13th, Jackson. It's going to be a scary show. <laughs>